Today's episode is brought to you by Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear provides the tabletop community with interactive gaming components at a great value. They offer dice trays, dice towers, and more. What I love about them is the diversity of their products. They can be used for anything from Dungeons & Dragons to Warhammer 40k and everything in between. So, be sure to use the code ROAMING20 for 20% off your total purchase. And be sure to share pictures tagging both GotDM and the Bearded Nerd. Three, two, one. Joe, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well. How are you? I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm having a good cup of coffee. Probably too late for me to have coffee, but I don't care. So I'm doing well. Can't complain. Folks, we have Joe from Encounter Terrain on the show today. And it's an honor and a blessing uh, to be able to have the internet, which allows us to just interact with folks across uh, across the world in our hobby. And it's crazy to think about this. You know, Joe, I don't know um, your generation, but I know I was born before and I interacted way before the internet was a thing. Mm-hmm. So now that the internet's a thing, I'm kind of glad that it's gone to this extent because who would have thought where we could have, you know, talked to folks from the hobby from, you know, God knows where, all these different locations. So it's just yeah. really cool to have that. So thanks for joining. I know it's late where you're at. Thank you. It's a uh, absolute pleasure to be speaking with you. It's not too late. Um, it's about, what are we, about half past nine. It's, it's not too bad. But, okay. Uh, well, I'm an old man, so I, I, nine o'clock's late for me. So <laughs> just... no, that's all right. I've, been a, I've been a night owl my, my whole life. I guess that's a good thing, you know, because you're built. I see all this uh, terrain that you're building. So perhaps you may need to be a night owl in order to focus on such builds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the majority of my craft time usually happens in the evening. Um, anywhere between sort of about half past 10, 11 midnight onwards. Um, it's I hear usually you. About two o'clock in the morning. Oh, nice. Nice. So not just to jump into it, but I guess we're going to. So what made, what made you want to start crafting? Like, was it something, what did you just start crafting as a kid? Like, you know, at least in the hobby or were you just crafting and other things? Maybe someone showed you how, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, my, my dad, uh, owns still to this day owns and operates a woodwork school for children. Uh, aged four and a half ish up to usually about 13 or 14 or until they decide that it's uh, not cool enough for them anymore. Um, <clears throat> so I, I grew up doing woodwork on a small scale because uh, being woodwork for kids, you're making things, you know, like toy boats and houses and things, you know, that are like this small. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I grew up around that sort of stuff. And when I was about, I'd say probably about nine or 10. Um, I don't know how I acquired it, but somehow a box of space, a box of space Marines uh, arrived at my house. They were, it was a little blue box. I've still got the box. It's just in the next room. Um, It's a box of ultramarine, ultramarines, I guess from 1993. Um, oh, so the old school Warhammer. Yeah, they're yeah, they're like this big. Like I hadn't seen, you know, because because I this is the thing. I don't I don't play Warhammer. I still don't know how to play Warhammer to this day. Um, but 
I, I got them and I really enjoyed painting them. I painted them up as some little black Templars because I saw that color scheme mm-hmm. somewhere. I was about to say on the internet, but but I, <laughs> I don't, we didn't have the internet. Um, so I, I don't know where I came across the black Templars, but um, I painted up some of them and then I found out that you could make little structures and stuff. So mm-hmm. I built a... a watchtower about this big just with a little hut on four stilts and my dad asked me if i wanted to put resin at the bottom of it and make a little pond and i had no idea what that was but he had some in the shed it was an old two-part epoxy Mm -hmm. cracked it open added a bit of red paint to it and it just turned into like this cesspool of like bloody red liquid plastic and and that was it um and then i was hooked from there um nice and then i didn't do anything for years uh, after that I, I still worked for him for, for, him for ages I, mm. I ended up being a teacher at his woodwork school uh, then I moved from Australia over here to, to the UK and I didn't do anything I don't know eight ten years I wasn't doing anything like that mm-hmm. um, I was always playing video games on the side uh, okay. I had a lot of Dungeons and Dragons video games which I didn't know were D&D games like Neverwinter Nights Um I had no idea that that, that Neverwinter was a uh, was a D and D campaign setting, and um, when yeah. I found out later, when I started to get into D and D, I was like, "This is awesome! I know all of this stuff. How do I know all of this? Where is this from?" Um, so that was that was awesome. And then only when I started playing D and D again here, uh, about well, it would have been about five years ago, five or six years ago, um, Fifth Ed had had been out for a little bit, and um, mm. one of our mates was was uh, running a or knew someone that was running a about to start running a game and me and my wife both joined um there was 12 people playing in that game so that game took a long time to play after mm-hmm. a few weeks there was only it was down to like six people so that was good <laughs> oh, yeah. um yeah how, it was, much did, it how many players did it start out with start out with 12 12 players um so our session zero was was uh was like my mate Declan running character creation for 12 people at the same time and then about an hour's worth of play uh holy cow it was brutal absolutely brutal but then after a few years of doing that I I had my own campaign going which is still going to this day oh cool um with uh there's been about six people playing in it throughout but there's four permanent people nice um and I just started making terrain for our game and that was it um i i someone showed me who was a, someone sent me a link to to a dm scotty uh yeah. how to make a big tree uh you know with like crumpled up paper and and toilet paper and glue and i was like this is the, I, I tried to make it and it turned out exactly as he said it should and i was that's it. Like, just, just throw me in the rabbit hole. I'm, I'm there. I'm done. I hear uh, that. And it just, it just went from there. And then I just, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, Oh, I want this for my game. And I want this for my game. And I want this for my game. Um, Cause my games are played 90% like on a piece of paper um, mm. and just like some rooms drawn and that sort of thing. If that comes out and then every game gets one encounter at the end. Okay. Which is, something big comes onto the table um it's it's whatever their encounter is whether it's a you know a trap or a a a fight or a something that they have to negotiate or whatever it is 
there's the there's the piece for that. Yeah. Um, so they get about an hour or two's worth of gameplay on a piece, and then yeah, it'll just sort of like fell off the rails, and I was just like, anything else that I can do, <laughs> let's do it. Um, Have you built terrain for other systems and games, or just strictly for D and D? Uh, realistically, I've only built it for D and D. Um, I mean, let's be honest though. Some of all your builds can be used for like any other, like Pathfinder, Frostgrave. You know, hell, I yeah, Frostgrave, Mordheim, all of these. It's like, yeah, yeah, because I, I build either like a lot of scatter terrain or like actual physical, you know, things to play on top of. Um, cause there's a lot of terrain out there, which is mm. it's specific buildings. Um, you know, a lot sure. of buildings, a lot of huts, a lot of, um, you know, or like fighting pits or that sort of stuff, which is all awesome. Um, but they're all dedicated things, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. this is dedicated as a tavern or this is dedicated as a workshop and this is a, a mill or whatever. Almost everything that I make, you put that sort of stuff on top of, you know, Absolutely. so it's, um, you know, there's like landscapes to use. So this landscape could be 25 different places hmm. uh, or trees. You can just put trees anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of things that can, you can plug and play and any um, system can enjoy it and utilize it. And that's, that's yeah. something that I noticed with your terrain where a lot of folks are into modular and I love modular terrain, but I also think that we need to, f- like I'm not a crafter by any means, um, but as a DM who really likes to be open and have open options, because my players will go God knows where yeah. <laughs> they will, they they'll you know they'll go completely to the left when you think they're going you know straight down the road, mm-hmm. and I have to be ready for that. So any you know it's for me I've been learning. Well, I, I should probably buy those type of terrain pieces so the fact that like you make them is it's a huge advantage to your own game um so wh- how was the, how was the reaction though when your players started to kind of see like oh okay you're building terrain like this is cool and then now there's some epic piece on the because i remember going on your instagram and there's that waterfall uh, there's like that <laughs> waterfall yeah. piece that a lot of yeah um and the rope bridge and whatnot so like you know, I, I would see something like that and my like my mouth, you know, my jaw was just open. I was like, holy crap, this is cool. Like how how do your players and how did your players react to that as you were building and growing? Well, first off, really well. Um, I I am really lucky to have the players that have been playing in in our campaign, which has been going, it, it started just before my son was born and he's now four and a half. So it's been going for almost five years, oh, cool. this singular campaign. To be honest, we don't play that often. Uh, we play every two to three months if we can. Yeah. And obviously with lockdown, we haven't played in, we haven't played in almost a year. Uh, but... I'm really lucky with those players where, well, one of them was my first dungeon master. So it's it's great to have him in, but it's, uh, they really respect what I put on the table and they understand that the game is going to be most fun for them if they try use it as best as intended. So, you know, when I put up a piece on the internet, like 
like the, the big waterfall wall or, or any of the big uh, like the big vertical builds because <clears throat> i i'm I'm, a, I'm now currently obsessed i'm now a vertical build ambassador i'm obsessed with vertical builds <laughs> but anything in anything that i've put that's that's vertical there's always comments that you can go and have a look and go and find and it's just people saying well i'm going to cast fly and just fly up to the top and you go yeah. okay this took me two and a half years to make uh I put together a whole big thing. We've got large pizzas on the table and you want to play this board in 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, my players, I, I, I love my players. They will just go, okay, that's a big thing. This is going to take a while. Let's settle in. And they work out what they're going to take with them. They work out what they're not going to take with them. They will send a scout like a little bird. They will always send a bird up to the top to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And on these sort of things there will usually be some big fog cloud where they can't see up above a certain level and the bird always drops down after a giant bang and a flash and they have no idea what's going on, but now it's dead in front of them. So they go, okay, so we're not going to fly through there. Let's ta- let's tackle this by foot. Mm-hmm. And then they do. And then they try use it as much as, as possible because it's fun for them to play on and it's fun for me to watch how they're going to do it. Because for sure. Every time I build something, I like I, I don't use rulers or anything like that. I've got a few different miniatures that I use as like my base set miniature guideline sizes. Okay. Um, you know, so like just like different base sizes and and um, like know, a twenty eight millimeter or a thirty or so on and so forth to kind of yeah. Get- but it'll always be something with a miniature on top of it because sometimes the you know the base will be this big, but it, like the dragon may have a tail that comes out, and so like if you're making something big enough for the base it may not fit its tail and its wings and it's all that sort of stuff. And then the, 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 the ledge is then useless um, for that intention. For sure. Um, so I've got a few that I'll use here and there just to make stuff bigger or smaller, but they always want to use it as they can and mm-hmm. oh, you know, as best as they can. And no matter what I plan and what I think they're going to do based on the size of, the, of, of like the spaces. I was like, okay, this one, this big. So it's going to have this, that's going to have this, this is going to have this. They're going to be on this ledge. They're going to work out. We can either use that rope or this chain or that thing there. These are the different options. And I'll try to give them as many options as possible. And then they come out and do something that I would have never even thought of, yeah. um, which is the most exciting part of this game. But uh, <laughs> um well, it just seems like your players have that kind of you you and your players have that relationship where one, as players, they're they're not metagaming. They're kind of thinking about what they're doing. They're thinking about the actions and yeah. telling that story, right? But as players, rather, so ver- so f- the first one is more characters, excuse me. The f- the second is more as players that they're saying, okay. He just took the time to build this massive terrain piece and we get to play in it. I'm going to take my time to play in it. And, you know, whether for selfish or selfless reasons, they, you, you are able to kind of explore everything. And that's what, that's a really cool. um, That's honestly a great feat to have in in a in a person, in a player where they're really willing and wanting to explore your terrain. Cause again, I, I can only assume, again, I'm not a crafter, but I can only assume that it's like when you're a dungeon master building a world, you want your players to play in it. You want them yeah. to have fun with it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You like, there was one time where I built, 
it was the it, the, the first vertical build that I ever did. Um, uh, it was just like one big tall tower, relatively square. I was walking past the construction site and I saw this big off-cut piece of foam from a roofing job. And I was just like, oh, cool. Yep, I'll use that. And it just sort of, I just stood it up vertically and just drew on the side as where I was going to carve out. I think this will be cool because my table is really small because I live in London. So everything here is really small housing wise. And um, we like large pizzas and paper character sheets. Uh, so there's not much room on the little tables. Yeah. Um, so I was like, if I can build a piece of terrain that's got a base size that's only this big. Yeah. But go up, then they've got all of this room to play with. Um, and and you know and and like I put it on a on a little lazy Susan rotating base, so they didn't have to get up and walk around the table. The whole piece would just spin around in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super exciting to play that because they started at the bottom and they're like, okay, we're going to leave our donkey here. We're going to leave our pig here. They've, they've acquired like a farm almost. Um, wait, wait, wait. Gonna... So they, they ha- I can understand the, the donkey, but a pig. Yeah, they had a pig from a from a little fluffy side quest that they did when one of the players couldn't make it. They went off into like a little pocket dimension and were meant to rescue a pig and came back with the wrong one. So they've just got this one now. With that them. is fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, there's a... I've got like a whole bunch of, of like like barn like barnyard animals that they've got now and their party. There's only four of them in the party, but they're like, okay, we're going to leave this here. We're going to do this. We're going to search everywhere here. One one of my players role plays pretty much the entire time. The other three don't as much, if much at all. But um, they really love how much he does because he just plays this big brutus, dumb half orc thing. But they explore everywhere on the maps. They're like, okay, we can do this and we can do that. We can use this ladder and we can do this ladder. And you go around that way and you've got this climbing skill. And who's got the highest constitution? Because the higher up they go, I make them start making sort of like fear of heights con saves at the start of their turns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there was one time where they'd been on this particular tower for about three and a half hours. And they'd just, just about made it to the top and one of our players was like, guys, I've, I've got 25 minutes because I need to go catch the last train. And um, and so we had to rush the end of that up to the top of it. And uh, that was a that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But um, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, their, their next session started obviously at the top. Um, but it's great fun when you've got players that are willing to explore and use the terrain as opposed to just you know, you know, you know. There's that stigma about the uh, players versus the dungeon master. Yes. It's like it's our game. It's all of our games. Like we're all it, in this together. It's annoying um, that stigma. I don't. I. I. And I know there are people that I know, and I'm not going to mention their names out of respect. But I know these people, and they are all about the dungeon master or the game master is against the players, and they try mm. to kill them. And I think to myself then why play this game if yeah. that's your if that's your idea of fun okay maybe that's your idea of fun but play a different game or perhaps disclose it to your players and say hey this is how i have fun if you're all cool with that that's fine if you're not yeah. then find another game i just yeah. i don't like that idea and 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 you know it's and i like what you said where it is, it's a collaborative storytelling. 
this the minis and and most folks know um i have a wee obsession with uh minis mm-hmm. and when i mean obsession i mean it's i'm a purveyor of fine miniatures um that's what i tell myself at least mm-hmm. it works you know it helps me sleep at night basically i'm um, gonna have to get one of my miniatures i'm sorry you're gonna have to get one of my miniatures Ooh. i have a I have a mini of me. It's 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 twenty eight mil. It's uh, hmm. it was it was expertly crafted by uh, Bears Head Miniatures in Wales. Now I'm curious, and now my uh, what was it? My curiosity has now been intrigued. So I might have to look into that and get. It won't be creepy at all. I can put you right because I have my desk here with all my minis that I like my projects for painting. Um, I actually just finished one with my buddy. But uh, yeah, now I'm really intrigued. I will, I will listen. I will buy one. I will buy a copy of you. There's yeah, there's there's quite a few out in the world at the moment. There's about forty or so worldwide. Uh, so is that a secret? Can it? Well, is there like a an organization or a club of folks who have a miniature of you? There, I, I did put out a um, a statement saying that I was going to release a, a statement. Um, I did put out a, a a story or a post of some sort on Instagram saying that uh, I was having this thing made, and I and um, I posted a photo of it at the end, and it looked fantastic. And I said that there was only going to be twenty of them. So if you want one, let me know. And I had a, I sold all twenty of them within the first hour. So yeah. I so I, I sent a message to um, to Phil to guy from Bears Head Miniatures who's sculpted it and I said look I'm going to need another 50 of these um so he because it wasn't sculpted on a computer and then printed it was like hand sculpted out of green oh, stuff then, and then he made a mold um Holy and then he cast four of them and made a mold with five so now we can cast five at a time um that's so legit. yeah yeah it's awesome I, I I dropped way too much money on on something this big <laughs> well now but, uh, are, are they available yeah yeah yeah, yeah they're available I've, I've got them just over here i could show you one if you want me to uh show you it i'm actually really curious now All right, give me four seconds no take your time you see folks this is the bad thing about ha- having a collection of miniatures and having a- an obsession with miniatures in the hobby is that if it is a miniature you will collect it if it <laughs> if it doesn't matter what system, what, oh, dang, that is cool. There it is. So it's, it's, got, uh, it's, it's got the thumbs up and it's got the classic turtle necklace. And um, this was the original that he sculpted out of, uh, out of green stuff. That's awesome. That, oh, is, yeah. that is really cool. It's got the epic beard. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's legit. I sent him like a hundred photos of this and this and this and this and, uh, and the stance that I wanted. And, um, and he just, he nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. That's awesome. Folks. If you, when, when hearing this, check it out, if you want to buy a mini, a custom made mini that is unique. Now, again, I don't know if there's like a secret club or anything like that, you know, of folks who um, mini, but just said that's a, that's maybe the second iteration of the mini you can offer it. Just saying like a fan club. There, there, there is a few ways of acquiring them. Um, uh, you can buy them from me directly, okay. which, which some people do. Uh, but the main way of getting it is through the crafting competitions. Oh, okay. Could you explain a little bit more about the competitions? Okay. The crafting competitions is the encounter 10 by 10. 
and it's less of a competition and more of a community building program. And cool. I am obsessed with building community because crafts fall apart, community will hopefully stay together. Um, I like that. Crafts and, fall apart, but communities can stay together. I love that, man. That's awesome. And so then the 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 tagline for the actual build itself is build community and then build terrain and that's what we basically do we've got uh, when i say we i i started it myself but i've run this um with uh, there's two permanent judges which i've got and then there's six or so interchangeable which are different judges every month mm -hmm. the competition is essentially a scatter terrain competition because it's a 10 by 10 competition which is 10 by 10 centimeters or okay. uh, for everyone in the states, it is four by four inches, so it's small. You know, it's yeah. it's really small. People draw it on on the on the paper so they can work out their plan, and then there's always people messaging going, "I had no idea how small this was." And the competition runs for two weeks. Uh, it is every single month. It starts on the second Monday of every month. There is on average about 110 people a month that do it. Holy cow. Um, it's it's wow. gotten quite large um, at this point. There used to be about 30 or 40. Now there's about 75 people that do it every single month and an interchangeable anywhere between 50 and 100, um, depending on the month. Uh, when lockdown first hit, that was the biggest one because everyone was at home. Yeah, for and, sure. And yeah, so basically every month I give out a theme. Uh, everyone that wants to join the competition joins a group either on discord there's about uh, the group on discord at the moment is about 210 212 people strong um Word. or you join on instagram and on instagram i put everyone in large groups and uh, instagram allows groups of size 32 people so there's anywhere between four and five groups on instagram happening at, at any time and it's just a whole bunch of lonely nerds like myself that didn't know that the rest of the community was out there doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there's now about 120 people on average every single month that are just sharing ideas, sharing tips and hints and asking questions and, and just sharing their general lives as well, because people are happy to meet all of these other people. Um, we're a very welcoming community. We were talking about that before we the before we started recording. And out of all the other communities, because you know, I with the with the bearded nerd stuff, like I uh, I'm proud to say that I I tr I'm proud to say that I am of the D and D community specifically. Like that's mm -hmm. my home base. Like yeah. I love Warhammer. I love you know Age of Sigmar Warhammer. I love Star Wars Legion. I, I Pathfinder, all these are great. But the reason I always stick and stay with D&D &D is because for the most part, we are a very welcoming community. I've actually made great friends from D&D. &D. I've continued to foster relationships through D&D &D with friends of mine that I've known for 10 plus years. And it's just, I think the nature of D&D &D is, you know, everything about it where they're like myself i love the world building aspect of D, &D. and as yeah. as a dm you probably you know have um encountered this or have felt this sentiment in which you you know you you think to yourself man i love building this thing just like when you're building terrain 
you're building something that not only is can have a physical or tangible um, reality, but it also has that metaphysical reality where it's a it's an idea where you and your friends and an adventure and, and a story that you get to tell with your friends. And D&D really has that kind of like what you've built, what I've seen with the by the 10 by 10 um, that you're talking about, where um, you really get to form a community. It's not even about competition necessarily, whether it's about, hey, let's all do this thing together and let's hang yeah. out and let's talk and let's share ideas and let's share stories. But also, let's just be in communion with one another. I really yeah. like that. It's, it's the best part about it. The community is the entire, is the entire reason why I continue to do it every single month. Uh, there is every single month, there's at least 10 or 12 people that will message me and just be like, look, Joe, I've got too much on this month coming. I'm not going to have time to actually participate and build something. Can I get into one of the groups just to hang out? And there's on average anywhere between 15 and 20 people every single month that are just there to hang out and just swap ideas and share and just be part of it. Because, you know, like Instagram is a very sort of solo thing. You know, you sort of go at it yourself. Yeah. Um, everyone's got their own personal accounts and you can interact with everyone for sure, you know, but every single person in the competition then has a little group of 30 people that they're a part of. Uh, and it's, specifically related to an area which they usually would not share with the rest of the world or their usual friends because uh you know i'm just a little dungeon and dragons crafting nerd you guys don't want to hear about this you're off doing whatever it is that you're doing um or some people are really lucky to have great friends and uh <laughs> you know yeah. and, and they enjoy doing that sort of stuff with them but for those people that don't mm -hmm. there's a community of people there that, that are just you know hey Come join us. What are you building? Show me that. That's awesome. How did you do this? Explain this to me. Have you tried I, this product? Yep. It, it's a very, it's a, it's almost like, uh, I forget, I'm trying to remember the specific name, but it's that kind of thought sharing community where you, it's, it's not like Facebook or at least Facebook used to be that way. Now it's just, it's, it's a little different. I know I don't interact on Facebook as much. Um, Instagram and especially like a lot of the different D and, and specifically with D and D like Reddit is a very, I've talked about this with Cameron from the D and D coalition where yeah. Reddit from a crafting perspective, even from just homebrewing magic items, right? I've gotten a lot of ne negative experience from Reddit, just not even constructive criticism. Like I get on Instagram, but more of like, Hey, this is a piece of crap. Well, I'm using, uh, far less, uh, far less, uh, explicitive words than what they have told me. But yeah, like, I think that in the Instagram community, kind of like what you said, they'll say, Hey, can you show me this? Or, Hey, how did you do this thing? And we'll, and we just have an organic conversation with it. Yeah. Very unique yeah. in the community. And then I think that's where, I think that's where the D and D community is going to really thrive in from a platform perspective is Instagram, because just the community around it's very, we're not critical of one another. We try to help one another grow and therefore grow the community, yeah. but we're still pretty close with one another. Yeah. There's quite a few people that I've met throughout 
throughout the D&D community, um, for me also the, the crafting community in general, because the, mm-hmm. um, like, as you mentioned, Cameron is, is, is one of them. You know, he's fantastic. Like, I, I love the guy. Um, I, I don't speak to him that often. Um, obviously, he's, he's in another country and we're each living individual lives. But um, I remember when I did join up with the D&D Coalition and it was awesome. And I love being yeah. part of it. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the community of people in, in the D&D world and in the crafting world and sort of like in the miniature painting world in general, like the whole sort of like hobby, hobbyists world. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm just going to classify everyone under like the tabletop hobbying yes. uh, world. It's just, it's so unbelievably friendly. Yeah. You know, like, it's unbelievably friendly. Like everyone is just... I, I, I don't want to down talk any other platforms, but it's sort of like, you know, you post a piece of your work on a crafting group on Facebook and you may get someone going, Oh yeah, that's all right. It's been done a thousand times. Yeah. Or you may get someone be like, Oh, why'd you use that? You should have used this stuff instead. Yes. Um, it's very critical. That's very critical. And they're beautiful. unimpressed with the builds. Yeah. And you post it on you post the exact same thing on Instagram and people, if they, don't want to say anything they just won't say anything uh otherwise what they do say is that's awesome wow go you um they encourage you yeah everyone's really encouraging because because not everyone's trying to be a you know an an, an internet crafting celebrity or a dnd world celebrity people are just using it as a platform to show their own stuff and um it's part of building a community it's part of building a community and something that i often i get a bit irritated in, and I don't know if you share this sentiment as well, is a lot possibly of times... I get irritated very easily. I'm sorry? I said very possibly, I, I get irritated very easily. <laughs> well, the notion is a lot of times on platforms like Facebook, yep. we share an idea, we share a thought, we share something, and there's immediate criticism. And I'm not saying that criticism is bad. There's constructive criticism, and then what... It, I like to say is it's self-induced or self-promoting criticism that says, well, I would have done this. Mm-hmm. I would have done that. And it's kind of like, it's like that false sense of humility. It's in that same vein. Rather as Instagram, I feel that Instagram, rather the community there is more of a constructive, hey, this is awesome. Keep going. Or, hey, this is awesome. Do this next time which then gives that person an idea to build off of. It also gives them some encouragement. But the the biggest thing is it helps solidify a community where we can now work with one another and interact with one one another and then build up the community as a whole. Because if we don't build up the community, so in your case, like I could, you know, terrain, right? Crafting and terrain is a big part of that. You're a leader in that community. Just like, you know, Ray from Got DM, he's a leader in the community as well. Or Cameron from the coalition, he's a leader. Like all these folks who are trying to do these things from a content creation perspective, well, we need it's our I feel it's our responsibility to kind of build that platform and to encourage. So a lot of times these folks on Facebook and Reddit, especially Reddit, man, um, it's just like, why are you tearing down those people when the hobby within itself was given a negative, you know, mark as is mm-hmm. like, what, like, what is the purpose of this? And I, you know, my question is, 
how do you respond to that? Because I always want to make sure that I'm bringing, you know, some sort of logic into this, right? How do you respond to those types of um, criticism and critiques as a crafter when other people are criticizing maybe younger crafters or maybe someone who just started crafting? I know it's a loaded question. Mm, yeah. Um, well, well, this is the thing. I, I, I think the, the easiest way that I can sort of wrap my head around that is, is basically the easiest way that I can sort of wrap my head around that is basically um, like you are going to react usually you're going to react based on what you're surrounding, what you're surrounded by. You know, mm. like a really happy person walks into a room full of miserable people. That True. happy person is going to be miserable very, very quickly. True. And vice versa. Um, I barely use Facebook anymore because Same. what I find myself doing 98% of the time is writing a really long-winded, blunt response to something stupid that someone has written and then I'll just end up deleting everything that I've written and just not post it because I realize there's just absolutely no point posting this because I'm just going to have to respond to something else. And if this person yeah. is dumb enough to have written that, they're not going to respect this answer, even though it makes more sense, according to me. For sure. Uh, because I'm very well aware that I am highly opinionated and I don't share the same opinions as a, as a lot of other people, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and it's the, exactly the same thing on Instagram. It's like, if you're surrounded by a whole bunch of really nice, friendly people, all saying really nice, friendly, encouraging things, you're going to be sort of more inclined to sort of do that. Yeah. Um, but the way that I tend to respond to people personally that, that, that come to me with anything negative, um, I have been very, very fortunate to have received almost nothing. Um, that's awesome yeah which which is which is really really lovely but like i've received very little negativity but i think it yeah like i'm i'm very blunt and very honest with with who i am as a person online Um, i'm not sort of trying to put up a fake front and i think the easiest thing for people to spot is inauthenticity and as soon as you start acting like a douche people are going to treat like that yeah absolutely with with the fact that my Instagram is my own personal Instagram page and that I'm not doing this as a job working for anyone else. So if they've got yeah. any specific things that they would prefer that I do instead, they can unfollow me if they wish, but I'm not going to do that just because they would prefer that because this is my sure. personal like platform. The fact that I have a lot of followers does not mean that I need to work for those followers. So that just means that, Correct. They like what I do and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm really happy and I respect them for that. And well, it's like the podcast in my opinion, my pot, this podcast, and I refrain from saying my podcast because in reality it is the, yes, I'm the host of this podcast, but this podcast is for the community to better, to make the community better. And, and all with, with all things being said, you know, I'm going to say things that I, that I want to say, right. It's, it's our responsibility just as human beings to be upfront and honest with our community, you know, whether it's the hobby or whether it's our family and friend, but we have, we should be honest. 
And it's like, I'm going to, you know, whatever I'm going to say, I'm going to say it no matter who endorses sponsors does whatever. I, I mean, yeah, sure. I would love to make this, you know, I would love to work in the industry, but I also just enjoy the industry for the sake of enjoyment. Um, and I think, you know, cause I've, re- I've received a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot. I've received about 5% of my interactions have been negative. And as the time of me doing the bearded nerd, and it was seriously a miscommunication. Something maybe I said wasn't clarified. I clarified it. Everything moved on. I think I had one troll really just was out there. And like you said, all right, there's, you know, there's the unfollow button. If I mm. truly have done something to offend you, well, I can't really fix it because it's maybe something that is part of my personality or part of something, but yeah, it's, there's more control, but you know, it's one thing that I feel as I've spoken to a lot of DMS and you've probably gotten this too, from a crafting perspective, from like a lot of folks who are wanting to be GMs and DMS for the first time, they ask, Hey, what would you recommend? What is this thing? How do I start? And I get a lot of messages asking that. And oftentimes I say, well, stick with your community, you know, be, you know, be kind of be easy on yourself. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, Matt Mercer or Matt, you know, Matt Colville or any of these, these like high level uh, dungeon masters. And I like the fact that in our community, we can say that is that constructive, Hey, we're going to make each other better. And I think yeah. that's just, you know, I speak about it often and I know that the audience is probably tired of me saying that, but I say it because And I repeat it because I think it's so important for us to remember that we are a community. We're supposed to build each other up. Yeah, exactly. And and in the way that you've said, it's like, you know, if if people are going to nitpick in this, that, and the other, um, it it basically, it reminded me of, there there was one little negative thing that that someone said to me once. And um, it wasn't even like a, you know, you're bad or or this sort of thing. It, It was basically, it just sort of reminded me of, what you've just said then it's like you know you can't expect someone that's just learning to you know be matt mercer because they're not or matt colville because they're not um yeah. you know, those guys have got like 30 years under their belt playing this thing or, or, or whatever you know they, they oh yeah do it, they do it for a living and, um, and and they also have had experience in the gaming industry of creating and making games and doing but they're also that's their life maybe that's their vocation maybe that's what they were you know we all have a right? You're, you're a craftsman, not only from a terrain perspective, but what we were talking about with your own, like with your job, you are a craftsman. Like you have a talent in that. Like we're all supposed to do something different in life. And maybe their life's thing was to become professional storytellers. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, it's like, you know, this is one aspect of it. Um, you know, because people see this and they think, oh, well, 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 this is them. He podcasts for a living. He builds terrain for a living. It's like, well, no, not really. I, I do my full-time job for a living, actually. And I do this right. in the evenings to, uh, for a bit of fun because that's why it's called a hobby and not a job. Um, True. But, you know, like this, this person sent me a message once. And they're like, it was the same guy. He sent me things, something, he sent me two separate things on two separate occasions. And, and neither of them were like overly negative, but both of them, they reminded me a little bit of like Facebook style comments. And I was just thinking, why? Um, 
and so the first one was he sent me a thing about one of the bridges that I'd made. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just said, look, I, I don't think that that chain is realistic scale. You know, I would have really opted for, for this one here instead. He sent me a link and it was like, it just would have been so much better if it was in realistic scale along with everything else. And so like to that, obviously there's nothing else to say other than, okay, well, this is what I had on hand. And this is a fantasy, like this is a fantasy game. <laughs> you know, how do you know that in the world that I have created, this isn't the size of the chain that they are using? I uh, I ran into that dude. I ran. Well, so what was, well, if you don't want to go into the second instance, because I, I just feel like it, I, I can already know that basically what it is, is that it's an escalation, right? That- well, the second one was different because oh, I think okay. he sort of, because I think he sort of understood that because like, ah, I think okay, he, good. He came back at something else. It would just be like, okay, well, this is fantasy and that's how it is in my world. It's like, there's only a certain amount of times you can hear that before you stop asking questions. True. But the second one that he came back was was months later, and this was just after I'd started my um, my absolute obsession with pipe cleaner trees because I just worked out how to do it by accident. Oh, nice! And I was like, okay, I got to I got to show the world this. This is this is awesome. This is the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a tutorial, put it on YouTube, started spreading it like crazy, and I was like, yes, this is awesome. And then he sent me sends me a message a few weeks after that. It's like, hey, dude, I thought this was meant to be like a terrain thing like what's with all these pipe cleaner trees when are you going to get back to actually building like big boards and stuff and um so that i replied i was like look well i'm sorry if you're unhappy but this is just my personal account i'm going to post whatever i want if i want to post a picture of my kid then i'm going to post that on here if if you don't like it you can unfollow but like i'm not going to post what other people want me to post i'm going to post what i want to post because this is my account the same way as they post whatever they want to post on their account. It's, uh, <laughs> but but otherwise, I've been really lucky to never never have any like proper negativity thrown at me. But I think I give off the sort of vibe that if someone was to do that, that I wouldn't really give a shit anyway. So I just don't think that they do anyway. So it's a proper f off situation is kind of the vibe that I think people may get, um, at least from me, which is very not. I try not to give that vibe because at the end of the day, like, it's like you said, this is a fantasy world. Mm. Dungeons and Dragons is a game where, and and I actually ran into this a bit. um, And actually I even made an episode about it for the podcast um, talking about just mistakes and, you know, kind of uh, mitigating those mistakes. If I had basically understood a rule for divine smite, I interpreted it differently. Mm-hmm. And man, I got comments. This was actually on TikTok, but I got comments just ripping me to shreds. And I realized like, oh, I reread it, realized that, okay, maybe I was wrong in the sense of like, and there was, and that was the specific troll I mentioned that they mm-hmm. had just ripped into me. And I was like, well, let's be honest. This is a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. The way I interpreted it is maybe that's the, just the law of the land could be anything. And I, I think sometimes we in the hobby or the hobbyists rather forget that this is a fantasy world. There's a reason why, and I, and, and I, I don't want to blame it completely on like dice, right? But this little thing right here, this, this piece of plastic 
that decides the fate of many a character, I think we often rely on it too much. And we often rely on the rules too much as a, this is it. This is, this is the law versus it's a guideline. I can roll this thing right now as I just did. Oh, okay. Nat 20. Okay. Well, I, you know, I could roll that, get that and say, okay, this happens. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's almost like an if-then statement. You know, if this happens, then that happens. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I think it's up to the person. It's up to your imagination. So in your opinion, do you think that we have become too focused on the, this is how it should be, you know, from a crafting perspective? Because again, as a crafter, I would even assume that, well, folks are probably kind of expecting you to say or expecting you to build something to scale, right? You're, they want it for a 28 millimeter to 30 millimeter game. They want the rocks to be formed in this way where it looks exactly like this particular, uh, you know, setting in the middle and, you know, 1000 to 1200, um, you know, year, blah, blah, blah. I don't mm-hmm. know. So it's almost like they want it realistic. So how do you, I guess, mitigate that? How, what do you say to that? Do you think that crafting should be like that? Or do you think it should just be up to the crafter themselves and their artistic view? Well, the second one, hands down, um, it's up to the crafter of whatever they want to do because it's, it's mm-hmm. their work. Um, in regards to sort of like realism versus non-realism, I I draw a really clear line there. Mm. Um, I feel that there is, well, first off, that there's two different categories of what people are usually building in. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I, I made a post about this uh, not too recently just because um, it was starting to bug me. Um, just, a, just, a, just a linguistic thing, basically, the difference between terrain and a diorama. Um, oh, yeah, I read that. Where, yeah, so basically just for, for anyone that didn't read it, it was terrain is being made to play on mm-hmm. and a diorama is being made for display purposes. For sure. um, it's not saying that you can't use a diorama in your game and you can't display stuff on terrain. Like it's very vice versa. It's just, but there is a very clear distinction between the two as they're for getting sure. made. Um, but for people that want... Now, I build terrain half the time I, I pretty much build both I like I, I build a lot of pieces specifically for display and a lot of pieces to play on but as far as like aesthetic style is concerned for anyone that asks me for like tutorials or for me to make like ultra realistic sort of stuff I just pass them over to you know Luke fellows at, at geek gaming scenic or Luke's APS as it used to be called or one of these guys on YouTube that makes realistic looking diorama scenery to play on yeah. Um, you know, that's his thing. He, he does that and he's, he's fantastic. Or, you know, or you pass them on to Luke Toen and you're like, okay, go watch some Luke Toen videos about model train scenery and then you'll know everything that you need to know about making a realistic looking diorama. Yeah. I'm not aiming for a realistic looking diorama. I'm looking for something that looks like it'll fit within my fantasy world. Yeah. which is how come I don't cover my foam rocks in, you know, any uh, like fillers or, or things to smooth them out or have like undulating hills. It's like my play surface is flat. My rocks are jagged. 
it looks sort of like I, I want it to fit in with like if I put a 1980s games workshop orc on the table, I wanted to suit that picture. You know, yeah. I, I want like if I've got a, a crazy water effect with like a splash coming out of the ground that's this big. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like that's happening in some sort of magical, crazy place and plonking a wizard and a bonfire that's shining multicolors next to it is not going to look out of place. Um, yeah, because in, in, in you, what, it's, what, I, what it seems like in your world is this is a world of fantasy and magic. Yeah. If, if the rock, you know, if the rock looks jagged and all of a sudden its eyes open and it's actually a rock golem, okay, mm. that's totally plausible. Or there's a wizard there, you know, smoking their pipe and, you know, it's normal to see, you know, fluorescent colors. I get that. I absolutely get that. And the other, this is the other expectation that a lot of people have is they think that if you're going to start crafting for D&D or any, any of the tabletop games, but primarily sort of either D&D or Pathfinder, um, there's quite a few videos on YouTube that are like, this is your first five crafts or these are the essential first crafts. And there's quite a lot of them out there. And the one thing that is always on there, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, which does not make me correct or incorrect, but um, my opinion is you do not need to make dungeon tiles. You just don't need to make dungeon tiles. If you play on a grid system where you want dungeon tiles, then by all means, make dungeon tiles for sure but but i don't play on a system that uses dungeon tiles and i don't think that starting with dungeon tiles as an absolute must craft is essential by any means other than the techniques that they use how to do it you know because like you know you're making stone texture and you're using knives and you're rolling foam balls and things for texture and like you're doing all your basic texture stuff you know so if you want to make a dungeon tile make a dungeon tile. If you've never crafted, making a dungeon tile is really easy and there's a lot of really good tutorials on how to do it. But is it absolutely essential? I wouldn't say so at all. But uh... So do you think though that it's often recommended because it's a way to kind of like boost the confidence of a novice uh, crafter? Very possibly. Um, but also like you can, you feel good doing it, but also I think the I'm only thinking about this now, really. I've never actually thought about dungeon tiles this much. Um, the thing with dungeon tiles, I think is you make lots of them, you know, and the way to get better at something is just by doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You kind of mass produce it. So you actually are able to hone that just kind of like, it's like if you were given a, the same miniature, like, again, I'm, I'm looking at my Star Wars Legion minis. Again, I, I collect every, any mini that I think is cool, I'll buy it. Um, and I also play Star Wars Legion. So again, another vice that has been added. <laughs> but, um, and, but I look at it and it's like, okay, these clone troopers, right? If you're a fan of Star Wars, then you know, like the clone troopers basically have the same uniform. And you can paint them up as is and how they're seen on you know in the movies and in the lore or you can have fun with it and do whatever yeah but it's one of those things that you it's actually probably one of the easier ones just like the droids um because there's just you can just paint them the same way so it's kind of like versus dungeons and dragons minis where they're it's every character looks completely different it really takes a lot in my opinion it takes a lot of skill and dedication 
versus something like clone troopers that it's like, oh, you prime it, you paint it, you, you do this, 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 and that, boom, you're good. And you can do like, a, you can do hundreds of them and just build up that confidence, right? But it's not necessarily the first thing that you should do. So I, I kind of get what you're saying with that, with dungeon tiles. It, at least in my opinion, it seems like it's just something you can kind of churn and burn, build your confidence up and go. Yeah, through. that's the thing. I think it's more of a confidence thing than anything because I couldn't think of anything worse as a sort of new dungeon master or someone that's been dungeon mastering, not, not for a while, game mastering, whichever, you know, for, for a little while they've decided that, okay, I like this. I'm going to get into crafting for my games. I'm going to make a set of dungeon tiles and my players are going to go through this sort of dungeon. Um, and I couldn't think of anything worse than the players playing for a little bit on these tiles and just feel like, okay, this is great. Um, let's bash a hole in this wall here and go through here and see if there's any like caverns or anything or whatever. And you haven't got that piece. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we played the whole thing on these tiles, but you're limited to what you've got. Um, you know, like, like obviously every single person is just going to be like, oh yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You just take a piece of paper and draw it on or add to it or whatever. But, um, mm -hmm. but I think the dungeon tiles are pretty much like, there was a guy that went into a store once, uh, like an artist shop, <clears throat> asked the artist behind the counter, like, look, can you draw me a, a, an emperor penguin? And the, and the artist says, yeah, come back in one year's time. And he goes, okay. So the guy comes back in a year's time and he says, uh, hey, I was here a year ago. Do you have that drawing of the penguin? He goes, yeah, hold on a sec. Takes out a piece of paper, whips up this expertly professional emperor penguin thing in the exact shape that this guy's just said. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, that's awesome. Why didn't you do that a year ago? And he goes over to the cupboard and he opens up his cupboard and now it falls like 50,000 pages of emperor penguin practice drawings. You know, any crafting you want to do that's going to be related to like any sort of flooring um, that you'd put on a, on a dungeon tile, whether it's like a little wooden flooring or tiles or stone or texture or sand, mm -hmm. if you're making a set of tiles of one particular thing, by the time you get to the end of it, you're going to be able to apply it to anything. You know, if you want to have a base that's this big by this big, and have it all for that same flooring you're an expert now you've done your years worth of uh yeah you know dungeon tiles it's like you know at least for me the way i i i relate it is in two ways that's you know i practice jujitsu so it's like when i when i'm practicing my moves and my techniques the basics that's how i build up my jujitsu game and become more you know more of an expert so to speak or when i played rugby I played since I was in middle school all the way to university. And it's like just tossing the ball the right way and, and getting that, at least for me, getting that flick, getting that, just that perfect, you know, pass. That was what I needed. Or especially like, um, and, and it's the same thing. It's related in any industry, really, in any field. I think of that naturally just because I have, I just remember the times where hours of practice right? Just on the pitch, just throwing and tossing and doing all these different variations just to get it to a point where it's like, yeah, I actually keep a rugby ball in my, in my trunk. And when I meet up with some, but well, pre COVID <laughs> when I meet up with buddies, like, well, you know, from my old club, like it, it just comes back naturally. So from a crafting perspective, hell, even from a dungeon master perspective, when you do, you know, kind of those improv, like, oh yeah, um, orc 
sorcerer, you know, charlatan back, something like that. I actually just posted today or day of recording, like something of a random generator, because when you start to generate those things, when you practice your craft day in and day out, you're going to become better at it. We talked about Matthew Mercer, right? Great. I mean, he seems like a great guy. I don't know him personally, but you could tell he's practiced his craft, right? He's practiced, you know, voices. He's a voice actor for Pete's sake. He, you, how many times do you think he has been in his house practicing a voice? Yeah. Not even for like a role, just, oh, I'm going to practice, you know, this accent. Probably countless times. Yeah. And it's and for, for him, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people with their particular craft, it's just, it's just a way of their life. You know, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm sure half the time when Matt Mercer's like, practicing different accents or whatever he's not even realizing it you know he's just in his house making a bowl of cereal or whatever going eh, i'm gonna make a little bit of cereal now gonna get this thing you know just like yeah. start to, like i am now the little cereal goblin and he'll just assume that whilst he whilst he does it and it's just that's just what he does you know yep. like when i sit down and start making something new I, I i'm one of the people that doesn't plan what i'm going to make before i make it okay um, I will just get a piece of foam and just just start cutting out random shapes. And I know it's like, okay, I don't want it to have any corners. Let's take the corners off. Let's put a gouge over here and see what this looks. Ah, oh, that's all right. Oh, this could be this. Let's stick this on top and see if that'll work. And it's like, ah, yep, okay, I like that. That's now going to have an overhang over here, which means it needs a timber structure here with a, with a crane hanging down. Um, so your process is really that of inspiration where it's like you take this piece of material and it's almost like you allow the inspiration and your artistic side to really take over versus, you know, the planning side of like, okay, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's going to be X amount of centimeters and so on and so forth. Yeah, no, I, I don't plan whatsoever. Um, if you want to take two, two crafters that are sort of like pretty much polar opposites, there would be myself and then there would be Ardnor Miniatures, Sean from Ardnor Miniatures. Okay. Um, even though he says Ardnor miniatures, he makes primarily terrain. Uh, and his stuff is awesome. Absolutely awesome. And he also posts pictures of his plans and his drawings and everything is like done with, with rulers and, and mm -hmm. measurements. And, uh, you know, he wants to be able to make 10 of the same thing. If someone wants to buy one particular like book nook, they can, um, he can replicate it 10 times. He's got the plans mm -hmm. and he does. Yeah. Um, and then I basically walk past a bin and say, oh, there's a big bit of foam that's come out of that house. It's in that particular shape. That's the next shape of my new base. That's awesome. Let's do this. And we just start building from there. And it's like, okay, I've got this piece here, which is this thick. Therefore, mm -hmm. it needs to go there. Uh, and this piece is this thick. So it needs to go here. Mm -hmm. And they don't look right together. So I'm going to super glue them and then just hack at it with a knife until it looks like some form of natural formation. Um, Which both styles are also good too, just depending on your personality. I, and I think that's, I think that's a big thing. I think a lot of folks and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I'm not a crafter, but do you think a lot of folks try to force themselves to be that logical and that, and, or maybe not even logical, but that planned of, I have to have it this way. It has to mm -hmm. be, you know, do you think that that's a big thing in the crafting community? Um, I'm not sure if it's such a big thing as far as, them wanting to be you know better as far as planning or or like uh, like plans making um as such but i do feel that there's a lot of people that feel like they should be at a level that they're not 
based on what they see mm-hmm. other people doing. Um, so do you think they compare themselves then? I think, I think a lot of people don't post a lot of stuff based on comparisons that they're making with other people, which I, which I find really upsetting because um, a lot of the people that do builds for my competitions are building for the first time or <clears throat> build a lot. Um, but, you know, their skills are still growing. Uh, and then there's people that are experts. And then there's people in there that have started when they could barely craft and starting their first craft and have now been doing every single month for the past year and a half. Yeah. And now are fantastic. Um, but it's just because of practice and it is, unfortunately, I think there is a lot of comparison between, between themselves, you know, because like people are really sort of self doubting nowadays. It's um, it's, it's hard, which is why you need a good community to yeah. back you up, uh, prove to yourself and you know, prove to you that what you're doing is actually worthwhile and uh, you're a valuable member of the community just for being part of it. It doesn't matter what you physically produce. You know, it's like, as long as you're not a dick, come and be our friend. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I hear that. And I think that's a, that's a good rule for any industry and for any hobby, but especially in our hobby, it's as long as you're not this, negative person that really brings more disorder than unity, then you're fine. And, and even then, even if you are a certain way, there are people within the community that are going to still try to reach out and love you and, you know, see what's wrong and try to help you. Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned, you know, and and again, I want to make sure that folks can uh, participate in the challenge. So the challenge is on Instagram, correct? The 10 by 10. Uh, the 10 by 10 is on Instagram and, and on Discord. Okay, perfect. So if folks are, and I mean, I'm going to post the link to both in my, yep. in the description, but so folks could just basically at no, no matter what level of crafting experience, they can enter it. And pretty much um, I'm assuming that you, you have the rules, you have the material that you need. You basically give them everything in order to participate and then anything, anything that you want to find out right now, you can basically go to encounterterrain.com and okay. everything that you need to find out is on there. There is a hall of fame on there of all of the previous winners. Oh, there awesome. the current, um, the current January submission page because uh, the competition for January finished yesterday. Um, and so everyone's currently in the process of uploading all of their, all of their images. Everyone's allowed to upload three files, two photos and a video or three photos. <clears throat> so they're all currently on there. If people want to have a look through them, you can see all the different skill levels, different interpretations of the same theme, which is fantastic. Cause I really encourage theme interpretation. Okay. Um, this month's theme was, this is the way. So there was obviously a lot of people that have made sort of Mandalorian style stuff, but there was also a lot of people that did not have any clue that it was anything Mandalorian related. And there's a lot of really different interpretations there. And I encourage them all. That's awesome. Uh, All the rules are on there. All the, there's a sign up form. If you want to sign up, Uh, you can sign up directly on the website or you can sign up on Instagram or on discord. It's uh it's a fantastic community and um, I invite everyone listening. If you are uncertain, if you want to join or not, come and join. If you are uncertain, if you have the level of crafting, you do. If you have zero crafting experience, you still do. If you want to come and join in and just be part of the conversation and part of the chat and part of the community, you're more than welcome. You don't even need to commit to building anything. 
And even if you do choose to build something and at the end of the two weeks haven't built anything or haven't finished, it doesn't matter because it's all just good fun. Yeah. Um, and the worst that can happen is you may win a t-shirt. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That, and you know, that's awesome that you're building that community, man. I, I really, I commend you for it and I respect you even more for it. Um, that's just awesome. So folks, I will, um, that link or those links actually, cause I'll make sure to post all three will be in the description box um, in for the, for this episode. But the one last question that I want to ask, and I haven't asked this in actually, you're the first guest that I've asked in 2021, this question. Ooh, a little, it's a little unrelated to, I, I try to, you know, balance it out. If you had to choose a particular class combination, you know, whatever race you want, you're creating a character for 5e, what class and race combination would it be and why? I currently have a go-to class and race, which I've played in my past two one-shots, and I am obsessed with it currently. Okay. Um, this class really comes into its own at about level seven, mm -hmm. uh, which is a few more class features. And my favorite at the moment is, uh, well, I, I played a total and I also played a, a, a gnome, but I usually play this as a gnome. Um, so I would go a gnome um, circle of the moon druid. Uh, so, so, uh, sorry, no, um, uh, I, I would go, I, I don't know why I said that, but that was my other character for the other game. I would go a gnome rogue. Oh. Um, and you go, um, the, oh, I've forgotten which exact one it is, but it's the one that gets you all the uh, sneak attacks. Um, oh, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Assassin? Yeah. Is it Assassin? Assassin, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Assassin rogue. Um, level seven, it really comes into itself. And I, by this point, I've always picked a feat and I always go uh, crossbow expert. <clears throat> nice. Because when you're dealing out crossbow expert on a you know we're, we're like if you have a crossbow and you are hidden and your enemy has not seen you yet and has not moved yet if you're first on initiative and you've got an automatic crit with that gives you essentially an, an added 8d6 um yeah. as sneak attack um it's it's just ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous the fact that you can get sneak attack every single time if it's currently engaged with something else and you can basically just fire a crossbow at it get your you know get your d12 plus plus 4d6 sneak attack and then just hide again is fantastic that's <laughs> my, it's, it's the moment. absolute like you're can you can you know pick off targets yeah, um, you really can. And then you can use your crossbow at 120 feet range as well with no disadvantage because you've got right. a crossbow expert. And then added to that is I'm a bit of a cowboy and I enjoy running at, directly running at them. And then you can run at them, jump up onto them, and then you can fire a crossbow straight into the back of their head at no disadvantage because, uh, because it, it, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I, I like to play really dangerous characters. It's a really dangerous one to play. I really enjoy it. Well, folks now you know to win um to not to to win uh your heart just talk about rogues talk about gnome rogues that's it rogues. no but hey but with all with all kidding aside i appreciate you coming on to the show i appreciate um really what you're doing for the community and how you're helping uh crafters 
get into the hobby, get into the sub hobby of crafting. And, you know, something that I noticed, you know, we were talking about vertical builds. It's awesome how you're taking, and you mentioned about your space, especially being in London, the space kind of limitations. I don't know if that'd be the correct word, but limitation would definitely be correct. <laughs> okay. So your space limitations, you're taking that and you're saying, okay, how can I utilize this space and get the you know maximum output? So creating those verticals instead of a horizontal, like that, that's just awesome what you're doing. So I appreciate it. Folks, be sure to follow Encounter Terrain not only on Instagram, but on Discord. Check out the website as well for more information. And yeah, appreciate it, Joe. I really appreciate y'all listening into the show and listening into today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review and leave a comment. That actually helps not only uh, the podcast, and it only also helps me know what y'all like, but it actually helps the D&D and the tabletop gaming community grow. Um, it's part of the whole algorithm thing, but it helps us grow either way. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. More importantly, folks, be sure to be kind and compassionate to one another. Crazy times ahead, but be sure to be kind and compassionate to one another. We love you, but as always, keep gaming. Thank you.